This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a questionnaire, they match you with a licensed therapist, and you can switch anytime, no additional charge. So, celebrate the progress that you've already made by visiting betterhelp.com slash yanks today, and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. Dot com slash Yanks. Today is May 7th, and we got a lot to talk about. The Yankees just won a game. We got Katie Stats joining us to go over why Gary's so good, what's going on with Tanaka Splitter, and we got a ton of voicemails talking all about Urshela. We're talking about Clint. We're talking about Domingo. We're talking about it all. I'm excited. You're excited. Let's talk Yanks. Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy Jake. Caps galore for weekly awards. Stat lines, steaming hot takes. Hear Yankees news with these two fine dudes. It's time for Talking Yanks. Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy and Jake. Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy and Jake. What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining Talking Yanks and hanging out with us for an hour as we discuss everything that is going on in Yankee Universe right now. My name is John Boy. I'm coming to you from New Jersey, and I have my co-host Jake coming to you from Denver. He is a transplanted Yankee fan, originally from Middlebury, Connecticut. Forget his address, otherwise I would have given it to you. But he doesn't live there anymore, nor does any of his relatives, so it's fine. Jake, what was your address? Uh, no thanks on that. Okay. Uh, yeah, Middlebury, Connecticut. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. This episode of Talking Yanks is brought to you by six wonderful people, Jake. First guy or gal, who knows, <laughs> is Pops. Many a women a day have gone by Pops, so yeah. you, we just can't take a guess there. Hey, Poppy. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, we had a pet bird named Pops, short for Popsicle, died, buried it in our backyard. R.I.P. Michael Clark, not the actor. Maybe, maybe, maybe the actor, I don't know. Yeah, you don't know that. Christian Mallet. Didn't we already do Mallet? And I said, maybe it's Malay. Maybe he re-upped. Maybe. Danny Lafrido. Do you think this is a female Danny since it's D-A-N-I? Lafrito. Uh there's a chance, yeah. Danny Lafrito. NJ. Yeah. And 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 hey. And ya. And ya. And Rory McHugh. Rory McHugh. Good uh good Italian boy. Ha ha ha. Probably Scottish. Well, those are our most recent Patreon subscribers. Two dollars a month. You get it into a contest. Uh, to win a jersey, a raffle to win a jersey. You get early access to a bunch of stuff. You get to watch us live and be in the chat and hang out and uh, just get the video version of every podcast so you can see that Jake has a beautiful Denver backdrop behind him right now. Can you see it? It's really dark. You keep saying it looks nice. Oh, it looks beautiful. I see like one tree in a cloud. The cloud looks nice. I'll give you that. The sky is like a beautiful hue of blue. I'm in on the sky. I thought you, because you can't really see the skyline at all. Normally you kind of can, but the sky. You can see some buildings over your right shoulder, but I don't care about that. I just care about the color of the sky. All right. 
then we then we are in lockstep so far this episode. Say something um, nice about my backdrop or clothes or something. Uh, well, I mean, what jumps out is a saying: "Jake sucks." Where's so, that? Right above your head. Oh yeah, I forgot that was there. So that's tough. So that's a tough look. Do you look at that all day? Yes, all day, every day. Wow, that's yeah. tough for you. Awful. It's awful. I forgot that was there. Yep. Well, that's a bummer. Do you want me to change it to something else? Nah, like I don't Jake care. Jake fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> don't care, never cared. All right, we're going to go straight into voicemails because I don't want to kill any time. And we have a ton of voicemails, and we'll try to get to all of them, okay? We have a bunch of... Uh, Geo is still the biggest the biggest uh, conversation, Jake. So let's go to our buddy Andrew in Hell's Kitchen. Yo, what up, guys? Andrew from Hell's Kitchen. So, Gio uh, Rochelle, a lot of people are saying he's going to regress, and I agree to an extent, but he's actually, you know, legitimately added some exit velocity. You know, the underlying stats are higher than people think. Uh, his ground fall rate's down, his line drive rate's up. And uh, I've read a couple articles, one where Marcus Timms talks about how he's using his legs more. You know, Joel Sherman compared him to, like, this weird Scott Brocious breakout. We know the Yankees are very good at uh, player development, and there's just all these factors that make me think that this Gio Urshela breakout is a little bit real. And I think he's going to finish the year with a 775 OPS. Uh, two and a quarter Fangraphs War, 2.2, 2.3, whatever, and a 340 Woba. Uh, yeah. What do you think Gio Rochelle is going to do? Okay. All right. So he's got a lot of predictions there. He, he cites that the, that's Andrew, uh, pretty informative calls usually. And he says that Rochelle, everyone says he's just going to regress because he's never been good. There are players that just grow and change and become good. Is there possible Urshela's does that, Jake? Like the fact that he has made changes would lead you to say, yeah, okay, maybe he's a new guy. What do you got? What do you think? There's a chance, right? And I, I had this was a joking tweet, but I, I always think it's funny to to say stuff in a Skip Bayless voice sometimes because the Urshela topic has been the number one topic of Yankee Land now for a little bit. And which is nuts in and of itself. <laughs> uh, the fact we got here is insane. But I, in a in a Skip Bayless half joking, half serious way, it's not Gio Urshela has a month to win the job because essentially Didi's going to come back in a month, and that's when we have to start making some real decisions. But Gio Urshela has a month to lose the third base job. Yes, Network, 6 o'clock, tune in. No, but he really, I mean, Jim, tonight. <laughs> How great did he look tonight? He he he, he gives you outs. He gives you outs. <laughs> and he's hitting so well. Um, and we, we just said this on the main episode, and I'll, I'll give my elevator speech again, but it's if Gio Urshela can hit at 80% of the clip he's currently hitting at, which is still significant, he's... I mean, he's hitting at an incredible cl- – he's playing at an all-star level right now. Um, but how special his glove is, if he can hit at a 280 rate, at a 270, 330, 
330 OBP kind of rate, he's become he's a special player. Uh, his defense at third base is incredible. Yeah. We, we have one more call. I'm going to mix in another call, and we'll stay on um, Urshela conversation. But this is Greco. What's up, boys? Uh, talking Yanks. It's your boy Nick Greco from down here in Dallas. Uh, man, I can't say how great it is to see the uh, resemblance of the real lineup. We got Gary back. You got Andrew Hart back, and it looks so good. But, man, I'm at the point where do we just have to have Urshela playing third base? The defense has been so phenomenal, and I think back to some of the old teams, and you look at, you have role players. Not everyone has to be a superstar. You had your Louis Sohos. You had your Charlie Hayes's. Um, I mean, at this point, do we just have to have Andrew Hart DH? Because we need his bat. But Urshela's defense has been so solid, and you forget what good defense looks at or looks like. Um, so that's what's been on my mind. Urshela, third base, Andrew Hart DH. I think we have to do it, right? Go Yanks! Thanks, guys. Uh, I mean, I I'm swept up in this, and I'm uh, what I'm worried about, Jake, is that I say something that can easily in two weeks, right? I just they're like, "Are you serious? You got you really got swept up in that, huh?" And and I'm scared to admit that I'm so swept up in this right now. Like I want to shout hot takes from the rafters, like. Urshela gives you outs. Andujar takes away outs defensively. It should be Andujar's job to lose, and I think it is from the Yankees' point of view. But, like, until Urshela becomes Jose Molina with the bat, like, you have to give him majority of the starts at third. And they have a built-in excuse with Andujar, you know, taking it easy with the arm and being like half injured and what the hell's going on over there. They have somewhat of a built-in excuse. Now, I know this isn't the fairest comparison, but last year, Drury, he was the third baseman. Like, they expected that Andujar needed to develop more, and they expected Drury to be the third baseman all season. Drury said, I'm blind. Andujar gets called up. And Cashman's quotes after and Boone's quotes were, well, I mean, Andujar just ran away with it. Right now, Urshela's kind of doing that, no? I mean, am I too swept up? It's, like, right now, Urshela's running away with third base on both sides of the ball. So you're, you're right. It's a yes and a no because it's, yes, in two weeks, we could look so dumb. Um, so dumb. If Gio Urshela goes back to being what Gio Urshela was as a hitter, Jim on defense, this is about to, this is going to be the most ridiculous statement. So I'll take it away from you. Um, so so I'll I'll jump in front of the eighteen wheeler before it comes back to hit us in a couple weeks. Jim, the defense, his defense is so good, and Andujar's is so bad. Not it's bad. We we do. I'm I'm sick of pussyfooting around that. Andujar's bad at defense. It's almost a two-inning swing, Jimmy. <laughs> like, Urshela gets you three extra outs almost, and Anduar loses you <laughs> three outs in a game. I know that's a dramatic example, but we <laughs> between the double play Anduar threw away the other day and his one he booted and the plays we saw Urshela make tonight, it's very true. Um, and you just, 
I it's a mental mind fuck right now. And I pardon my French, you know I don't wow. like to curse. Wow. But picture the plays Urshela made tonight and now try to picture Miguel Andujar making those plays. I don't know if any of them are outs. <laughs> um and it's just bizarre. Here's what I I want to take a step back to A when Nick calls in and he mentions Louis Soho. Let's know we're talking about something different there. Louis Soho never played more than 77 games for the Yankees in a season, and it was normally it was fun when he was out there, but he was he was very much a role 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 player, a role bench player. Different times in baseball. We're talking about the starting third baseman of the New York Yankees. And Jimmy, the what it all leads back to in my, you know, Skip Bayless stance and all of it, we kind of have blinders on. Because, Jimmy, let me tell you Gio Urshela's career stats coming into tonight. In 534 at-bats, so kind of like a full season. So including Gio's stint with the Yankees right now, he has about a full season worth of hitting stats. 240 batting average, 292 OBP, a 629 OPS, and nine career home runs. So... What we've seen Gio Urshela do is hit at a 338 clip, a 410 OBP, a 900 OPS. I mean, the guy has been hitting like an all-star hitter, never mind the gold glove defense we're seeing. So if Gio Urshela can continue to hit again at (laughs) 80% of the clip he currently is hitting at, I like him at third base. You try Andohar at DHing. When the outfielders start coming back, you figure it out. And again, this this one, Jimmy, doesn't feel like when we had all the spring training conversations, like, where's LeMahieu going to play? What, what's going to happen with first base? You and I, whenever we talked through those conversations, we were like, yo, this stuff figures itself out through the year. This almost feels like it's not going to figure itself out, well, but there never, still is a chance it totally does, you know? Yeah, the way injuries are going, I mean, there's so many ways it can. I mean, one of the two gets injured. Right. Uh, Stan stays injured, and the DH stays open. You know, there's yeah. ways it does, but we'll we'll wait and see. But right now, we may look like idiots, and I'm kind of like so swept up in it that I'm I'm fine. If, if I'm wrong, if Urshela goes two for his next 35 and is just a complete like dunce at the plate, then give Andujar the job back and bring Urshela in as a defensive replacement. Uh, I'm fine with that. But until that happens, Urshela's helping us win games more than any other defensive player. Yeah, it's... I. If Gio Urshela can do what he's doing now, he's our third baseman. But that seems highly unlikely. <laughs> All right, let's move on. What up, guys? Anthony calling from Staten Island. Um, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people calling about how Domingo Herman's been our best starter this year. So I thought it would be pretty fun to point out that almost trade that never happened in 2017 with the Mets for Jay Bruce at the deadline, who Jay Bruce ended up getting traded to the Indians and end up actually having a really good series against us in the ALDS, going 5 for 18 with two home runs. But instead, the Mets took that offer from the Indians, who gave them a lesser prospect and decided to cover the whole contract for 3.7 mil, whereas the Yankees were only willing to offer Domingo Herman and 1 million of the contract, 
And it's funny because if you look at the the pitcher that the Mets got back instead of Herman, Ryder Ryan, he's pitching 10 games so far in AA with an 8-4-4 ERA. So, yeah, thank you, Mets, for letting us keep Domingo Herman because who knows where we'd be without him. Thanks, guys. Let's go, Yanks. I love that call because I forgot all about that. Yeah. The Yankees had a trade with Jay Bruce lined up. The Mets didn't want it because they just didn't want to trade with the Mets. There was some dumb reason. They wanted them they wanted the Yankees to cover everything or something like that. Yeah, they went full Mets. Like it was they uh they had this Mets like we don't trade with the Yankees unless we're gonna kill them in the deal kind of mentality. And I think that's kind of gone now with Brody Van GM. I mean, we haven't seen anything yet. But uh yeah, man, it's uh I I, I think it's why you were excited about the Cashman book that just came out in Yankee Land. But I mean, I think things like this happen on a weekly, monthly basis with a GM where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, throw this young guy in a deal, or I like this young guy in their minor leagues. And look, look at Gio Urshela right now. Look what we just talked about. The Indians let go of him. And now we're talking about like this guy has a chance to be a special third baseman for us. So the so, so the Mets could have had Domingo Herman Jake, but they got this dude Ryan, uh, Ryder Ryan. That's a confusing name. Ryder Ryan. Ryan Ride Ryder makes so much more sense. That's pissing me off. Your yeah. name is backwards, dude. Maybe that's why you're not doing any good in the minor leagues. Anyway, he's he's not even starting in Double A. He's yeah. a he's a Double A. I'm sorry to shit on Ryder Ryan right now, but he's a double-A reliever who has an 8-4-4 or has a 7-5-9 ERA in double-A as a reliever, and the Mets could have had Herman instead. So so this caller, I forget his name, Andrew, was it? He is correct. Thank you, Mets, for declining that offer because that would have been one that the people that like to burn Cashman, they would have got burned on. And uh, a quick quick reminder, if you didn't listen to this week's episode of Tar- Talking Cardinals, Jason Shreve, Giovanni Gallegos for Luke Voigt and international bonus money. Yeah. Which Cashman just burned right in front of their face. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even need this. <laughs> I didn't even want this money. <laughs> I'm just, just showing you guys up. Hey guys, this is Andy from San Diego, and my question is, if someone hijacked your Twitter account and was uh, basically stealing your identity, what's the one thing that you'd want them to tweet about the Yankees so that your followers could tell that it wasn't you? And uh, Jake sucks. So actually, my answer is, it just happened to Adam. Uh, Adam hosts the other Talking Yanks, the other guys podcast. If you're ever looking for more Talking Yanks info, Adam and Johnny do a, a once a week podcast. And someone he gave his phone to his friend and he treated out like Gary Sanchez is a bad baseball player. And yeah. I think, I mean, I think everyone that follows me would know I got hacked if that happened yeah. or lost a bet. So I think, I think that's it. Or like Jake doesn't suck. Instant. Yeah. Who can you guys, can you give Jimmy his phone back? That's not something's Jimmy. up there. Yeah. What about you? Um, I don't know. Probably something just like really well written. <laughs> just like really well thought out with good punctuation and grammar. I was going to say like some commas and people like, would be I, like, whoa, like, like a properly used semicolon. Yes. Yes. That, that would be devastating for my reputation. <laughs> and we'd know it wasn't you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
Next up, mm, this is an interesting one. Do you want to talk about the Clint's playing right on uh, Monday night's game or save that for recap? Uh, I don't know. All right. Let's just do this on Clint. Okay. Hey, boys. Big fan. Cole from New Jersey. I was just wondering, with us having three all-star healthy outfielders locked up for so long, do you see Clint Frazier ever becoming a star on the Yankees in the future years coming? Thanks, boys. Uh, thank you. Do So since we have Hicks, Stan, and Judge locked up, is there room for Clint to become a star? I see why you will, I see why people would be like ask that question, but yeah. I think it's set up perfectly for Clint to become a star. Like Gardner's gone next year, Clint goes in the left field and they'll do some they'll rotate the DH through the outfield like that was the plan originally. Now Andujar might mess that up. Um but I I do think there's room for Clint to become a star. And I think once he performs on the field I think all of New York will fall in love with him, even me, who's been hard on his personality. I think I'll get swayed with good play. And then people will call me hypocrite, and I'll say, I don't get, I don't care. Yeah, root for guys in pinstripes. Um, Clint's going to get at bats this year. I think he's been showing it already. Um, I think that's the part that's funny. I think people people think if Clint played like 150 games this year that he would be a star. I think he'd be good, but I, I think that's where you and I have – different blinders on than everyone else where we'll be like Clint's going to get his opportunity he's going he's going to get a lion's share of a chance this year um but you know when you say a star um I I think he's he has the opportunity this year to lock up left field for next year how about that yes yeah yeah which is a, a, a pathway to becoming a star right it's there uh, all right, well, he's replacing Gardner in the way we have it laid out, and here's a call about Gardner. I'm just wondering why people have so much disrespect for Brett Gardner. I saw Jake was getting into some Twitter fights um, defending him, and I'm just curious as to why people have no respect for him. I went to opening day at the stadium, and some old guy was complaining about how they didn't sign Brett Gardner back, and he's the longest-tenured Yankee, and I don't get it because he's awesome. This is a question as old as time. I've tried to answer it before with my best guess. I mean, Jake and I love screaming I hate Brett Gardner because back in 2008 when he was like a rookie platoon player, some guy would call into Mike and the Mad Dog or just Francesa at that point and just go, I hate Brett Gardner. <laughs> Burped in the middle. I hate Brett Gardner. It's like, why? Um People like all stars, man, and especially young kids right now. They like they like fantasy sports, and they like all stars. And Brett Gardner does a lot of things well that you don't get any points for in fantasy baseball. You don't get ESPN highlights for. He's a grinder. Like he goes first to third better than any player in the major leagues. I think last season he led like the major leagues in base running, first to third and first to home. No one puts that on the back of a baseball card. No one cares. He sees a ton of pitches and is at bats. No one cares about that besides diehard fans. Uh, it's not sexy. His game isn't sexy, and that's and people want sexy. 
Yeah, I, I, I've got it figured out, and I'll, I'll tie it a little bit to uh, CeCe, which I got in the weeds about tonight. Um, you're totally right um, on the people want all-stars, and basically that's why Guardy was never loved for years. Like, you looked on these crazy Yankee teams, and it would either be like, all-star great player or young guy getting his shot, and Brett Gardner was just kind of in the middle for a while. <laughs> like, does a lot of good. Um, and then... So here's here's the other problem, Jim, and I. this is what I figured out when I got into the weeds the other day. It's expectations. You, you know uh, for the past year or two, expectations have become a big thing for me, um, and it, I've, I made that sound like it's heavy, but it kind of started with TV shows. Like if you go into a TV show with huge expectations, probably going to get disappointed. You go into something with low expectations and it's solid, you're going to enjoy it. Um, some people this year, when Brett Gardner signed that $7.5 million contract or whatever it was, to them, that told them that Brett Gardner was the everyday starting left fielder. And I think that's where the confusion comes into play because I think there's a lot of factors. It's Brett Gardner is A, our fourth outfielder naturally coming into the season when you factor in the DH, Judge, Stanton, Hicksy. Uh, and then Guardy, he would be your fourth guy. I know one of them DHs, but stay with me here. Um, Stanton was originally going to play left field in the lineup of death when we rolled out all our righties against left-handed pitching. And the other thing that got missed this year is when everyone eyed their free agents and the Nick Marcakises and other guys that got signed for different contracts, a lot of those guys couldn't play center field. And yeah. if Brett Gardner wasn't on this team right now, we would have had Tyler Wade and Mike Talkman being regulars for about a month. And I need people to think about that a little bit. Um, so that's the problem. And the fact that Brett Gardner has been a starter in the past, people can't get over the fact that he's he's essentially a replacement player. <laughs> Brett Gardner is not supposed to be playing every day, especially as our center fielder. Um so they have this mindset that Brett Gardner is supposed to be, you know, our starting everyday left fielder, which I do think has some truth. I think he was worn down last year. The Yankees have openly said that, and they love his defense. He plays a gold glove defense. He has a gold glove. And they wanted to see if Brett Gardner could come back this year and play like his 2017 self, then yeah, he was going to play like 100 games and get some serious run out there. If not... Clint Frazier was an insurance policy. Giancarlo Stanton was an insurance policy. Because of the injuries, Brett Gardner is essentially one of these replacement depth players, but a lot of people don't think of him that way, and they just can't view him through that scope. Yep, I agree. I mean, yeah, it's just it's expectations, and everyone wants an all-star, basically. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's crazy. He has... After those first two games of the year, we eliminate those because he had he went started 0 for 8, which is crazy. 0 for he's 10. Just been, he's, he's just been, like, really solid. Uh, like, 333 OBP, nothing special. Uh, his OPS is above his career OPS. And, again, he's playing center field, which he's not supposed to play. And he's been good in center field since that Houston series. Yeah. Yes. All right. Good. We did it. Go, Brad. Did it. Expectations. Yo, what's up, Jake and John Boy? This is Evan calling from Wall, New Jersey. Um, short question. Now that we're a month, a little over a month into the season, Luke Voigt has proven that he's not Fluke Voigt. Uh, is it safe to say that the Greg Bird experience is over? Doesn't seem to be healthy. 
and even when he is, uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to put up the same numbers as Voight. So uh, let me know what you guys think. You guys do a great job. Thanks a lot. Go Yanks. I texted Jake the other day, or we had a conversation where I just said, like, what's his future? I think we kind of talked about this yesterday. Get healthy, and he's got to go to AAA. There's no room on him for the roster right now. Got to go to AAA, and then either he works himself into being called up ahead of Mike Ford if there's an injury, or he works himself into being so good in AAA he has some value for something at the deadline boxed in with another guy. Like, you know what I mean? I th- I don't know. It, it, I, I mean, there's people out there that would still call us Greg Bird stands. Well, um, I like Bird as a person. The reasons why everyone hates him. Uh, so I'll get this. I got this tweeted at me today. Like, uh, I love how much Voight cares after every at bat. He's screaming and yelling like Bird didn't care at all. In Brian Hoke's book, The Baby Bombers, the Yankees. Cashman and Co. liked Bird because he didn't do that stuff. Because yeah. he just kept the same mindset no matter what, which is the same reason why people liked Jeter, because he just kept the same mindset no matter what. Now, I- I'm not arguing... Wow, John Boy compares Bird to Jeter. Write it down. <laughs> I like Voight. He's crushing the ball. But I think I, I do get a little bit like, oh, come on, man. You're gonna pop up every now and then. Yeah, his 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 getting mad isn't Paul O'Neill getting mad. Like Paul O'Neill, when he used to get mad out there, you knew it was a little bit of a show. And pa- Paul O'Neill was frustrated at the game of baseball. I don't think Luke Paul Boyd, O'Neill's was a show. Luke, or, I I just figured it out. Paul O'Neill was mad that the game of baseball was hard. That was his emotion. Luke Voigt gets mad at himself that he doesn't get a hit, and it's like, dude, you're not gonna do that. 70% of the time. So let's not do the whole song and dance each time. Um, Luke Voigt's been amazing ever since he came over. He played like an MVP last year. He's playing like an MVP now. Um, it's his job for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Jimmy, the, the biggest thing is, and it, it ties into Clint Frazier's personality, it ties into everyone's personality. If you play well, people are going to like you. <laughs> um, and Greg Bird has played awful. Uh, in his recent time playing baseball, there's still this slim, slim chance that a lot of it's tied to injury and he could be a solid ball player. But like we just said at the start of this, homie's going to have to go to AAA and rake and prove himself and either wait for an injury or if the Yankees are ready to move on and a team is like you have to throw him into a trade. I mean, it's at the point where the Yankees wouldn't hold a trade back <laughs> if the other team requested Greg Bird. Yeah, it's true. We have a trade question, actually, so I'm going to go to that right now. Sure. From NJ, who was sponsored of the show, yeah. and he just commented He just commented on Patreon that it is NJ, like the NJ, like New Jersey, right. but he might like NJ now. So he might be in the chat. He might okay. be watching live. Here's his question. Hey, guys. Love the podcast. Uh, currently watching the Yankee game. Up 6 nothing. Let's go, Yanks. Uh, my question for you guys is, Considering how well our replacement players have been playing with all these injuries going on, do you guys think that come trade deadline we're gonna have a lot of assets to move? And if so, who do you think is most like who do you think is most likely to be moved? And who do you think we're gonna be looking for, or what kind of players we're gonna be looking for? 
Thanks, guys. Uh, let's go, Yanks. All right, Jake. I I usually stray away from trade talks, but I like this. It's general enough for okay. me that like who might be a piece of a right. package traded. So, can I throw some names that I think? Sure. If they're still around, and I, I'm not saying they're going to net big returns. I just think they could be make up a package. Yes. Talkman? Yeah, I don't think he has any value right now. But, I mean, that's what we would say at this time about Chase and Shreve as well. Sure. Could be a team that just needs the depth like we did, and we get him for cash. I mean, yeah. we traded Adam Warren for nothing last year. Yeah. So, Talkman, Mabin, if Mabin's still around on the roster, which is hard. Sessa. Sessa is someone who has some value. He's he bullpen. Sessa seems like a major league baseball player. Uh, lasagna. Luizaga potentially has a lot of value. Um, he's going to get what two, three starts in the next couple weeks. Um, yeah. If if he impresses, I mean, he is young and his stuff is dirty. He he could potentially. Uh, he'd he'd have to have a couple big weeks. I don't know about headline a trade, but almost headline a big trade. Um, I mean, I was going to say Chance Adams, but no one's ever wanted him, so no. I don't think no anyone's going to want him again. Who else is there? I think as of right now, I think Domingo Herman is off. I think that's a no-fly zone. I agree. Um, you could say some of the young bullpen guys, right? I mean, Holder, Harvey, Tarpley. Um, again, not extreme value there, but the kind of pieces that close a trade for sure. Yeah. What about um, Estrada? You think he can work himself into a trade if now? I was a If I was a Major League Baseball team, I would be banging on the table for Tyro Estrada. He's, yeah. what, 23? He can play shortstop second. He played left field in a pinch. The guy, I know it's a small sample, and again, it's we, I could look really dumb in a week if he somehow gets 30 at-bats and he pulls a two for 30. The dude looks like a hitter. The guy's aggressive. He's he's not scared. I know that's good fake analysis, um, but he's not scared. I would be saying, give me that guy tomorrow. Um, I think... It's it's not crazy to say that someone like Clint or even Anduhar could be in play. Oh, I think I that's know, crazy. I know, I know those are almost fighting words for a lot of people, and I get it. But Jim, again, we've we've heard Cashman throw the Death Star phrase around. I mean, I'll just say this, and I I know this example doesn't make sense any now right now because we're fighting with them for the AL East title. But we're still, we would still love, and this sounds so dumb, we would still love a big-time starting pitcher. Um, I remember when Blake Snell was getting thrown around last year. Um, if someone of that ilk, which, again, that's all, not even that ilk, but if a good young pitcher or a good established pitcher on a solid contract was available. Bauer, Carrasco, one of those guys, if Indian season took a terrible turn. I mean, Jimmy, if Trevor Bauer came available and they said, hey, give us Clint Luizaga Estrada, 
I know you're not saying no. Yeah, it's yeah. We'll uh, we'll see what we need. Yeah, it's it starts getting into dream world, and I mean the bigger thing is it's like <laughs> with the two wild card teams, it, the Yankees don't control who's available. But if the Yankees wanted and everyone comes back healthy, they got pieces. I, I wanted to dip my toe into this trade talks, and you just like dragged I was, me I w- into the deep end. Dude, I almost brought us here before, but I knew you weren't going to like it, so I was glad we got here. Ugh. Okay, <laughs> next. Hey, guys. Joe here. Uh, big fan. So my question is that everyone seems to love to blame Aaron Boone for his bullpen decisions and things like that. Even though I feel like a lot of decisions, he doesn't make them himself. It's the front office. But my question is, say the Yankees win 100 games this year with the lineup they've been putting out and all the backups playing with all the injuries. Do you think Aaron Boone would have a serious shot at winning AL Manager of the Year? Because I feel like if we're going to blame him, then we also give him credit when uh, the team is doing good. So thank you, guys, and go Yanks. Short and sweet answer, if the Yankees still win 100 games, then yes, Aaron Boone should. I don't. I mean, you still have to see what everyone else does. Can't you have to compare it to the field? But he should definitely be right. up for contention if the Yankees still won 100 games going through these injuries. I mean, to say no would be insane. Right. Right now, very serious contention. Um, and I, there's so much season left. There's so much season left. Yeah. Um. This was a fun realization I had from Pat. Okay. Hey, boys, Pat from Jersey. Got a little hypothetical for you. With the DD news today, it seems like a bright possibility he might be back sooner than later. Uh, and the uh, two-hour setback, what's your prediction for who sees the field first? I think at this point, I got to go DD versus Mr. Glass. But uh, let me know what you think. All right. Is there a world, Jake? Where Didi and Tulo are both like at the same phase of rehab, because if you're Tulo, then you're just like, uh, okay, well, this is pointless. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> isn't that a wild to think about? We talked about people that could be traded. We might see Troy Tulowitzki traded really soon. Well, he's not worth anything. They just release him and let him walk somewhere. I mean, well, no, I think. I mean, it's Mike Talkman. I, I I don't think Tulo's value is much further than that. I think Tulo, uh, Tulo has a no trade clause as well. Full no exactly. Trade it would be working with Tulo to get him where he wants to go. Um, and the Yankees again not asking for much back. It would almost be like a veteran taking care of a veteran type thing. Um, I mean, have Gio Urshela and Tyro Estrada not fully eliminated Troy Tulowitzki? You would think. I still think Estrada is going down very soon. But I one mean. game tomorrow, everyone's healthy. Would you rather have Tyro Estrada at short or Troy Tulowitzki? Estrada. Yeah, but I, you, problem solved. Yeah. All right. Uh, next. Speaking of rehab. Hey, what's up, John Boy and Jake? It's Sam Cohen from the Jersey Shore. Uh, just subscribed on Patreon. Super excited about that. And just have a quick, quick hit a random question. <laughs> Why is it that a lot of the players rehab with double-A uh, Trenton instead of triple-A Scranton? Because I figured they would want to get the reps in on the higher competition with Clint and with with Andrew R. I just thought it was kind of weird. And also with, with Hicks. All right, go Yanks. Adios. I mean, it's a fair question, but it's a, it's a simple answer to this, Sam. I think Sam Eckstein 
just just joined Patreon. Yeah. Is that the Tampa facility is the spring training facility, which has like a full workout room, um, a really nice complex, nice weather. So you're always going to get it in an indoor complex. And it's just easier on the guys. A lot of guys live down there. And until like the last three days of rehab, I don't think they care about the competition. Like we might see Hicks join the rail riders for the last like four games before he's ready to come up. Yeah. You have to think about it almost like spring training. Like they don't care about the results. They care about feeling good and feeling right for when they come back. There's a little bit of a logistics juggle. We saw it with Gary before he came back that all all the teams were on the road or whatever, so they were hunting for a game for Gary Sanchez to go to for their West Coast trip. So they, they map it out a little bit, but, yeah, I think Tampa's got the, the better facility, so they, they do that if they can. Hey, guys. First time, long time. My name's Will. I'm from Maine. Just a quick question. What do you guys think? Over or under five games where we have Gary behind the plate, Void at first, Glaber at second, Andwire at third, Clinton Guardian left, Hicks in center, Judge in right, Giancarlo at DH, four starters are healthy, and the bullpen's healthy. Thank you. Over, under five games, fully healthy squad, Jake. I'm going under. Under. I mean, we don't – Judge is the biggest wild card. I mean, we're talking months, and so much can happen over those months. Yeah. <laughs> right? Is Andujar the third baseman? <laughs> going hard – under. Let me see if we have a quick hitter before we jump it to sharp stats. Oh, hey. oh, quit it, Jimmy. Get better control. Here's a here's a quick hitter. Hey, this is Jeff from Charlotte. I think Domingo's new nickname should be Sex Panther because he's dead sexy. Sixty percent of the time he works every time and he throws pure gasoline. Have a great day. What do you think about that? Who is that for? Domingo. Domingo for Sex Panther. Um, for anyone yeah, that I, hasn't seen Anchorman, this is an Anchorman reference. Wow. Talk talk about a shout-out. Um, I'll say this. I, I was on Domingo's baseball reference earlier today, and know how sometimes if you go over the picture of the player, it shows an older picture of them, either on another team or something? Domingo's minor league pick, he's got a little more swag. Hat's a little more to the side. Uh, the ears look less prevalent, so he looks a little less geeky. Um, Dude, I, he is the thinnest thing. Yeah, I think I think if we get a nickname to stick for Domingo, it's almost going to be like Kevin Durant territory. Like, what about is tarantula. there a, okay? Everyone that speaks Spanish, I need your ears real quick and your brains. Is there a Spanish word that means thin that starts with a D? Like a thin Spanish nickname would be good. Like, or like, you know, a cinnamon for cinnamon. Cinnamon. A cinnamon for for rail or thin. And then it's that word that starts with a D and then Domingo. So it's basically thin Domingo. Thin Mingo. Thin Mingo. I kind of like that. No, that's bad. I think Mingo's already stuck, right? Like the team's been rolling pretty hard with Mingo. I like Mingo. But, thin uh, mints. Thin mints. All right. Here's one more. Hey, guys. Calling in from Sacramento, California. And um, I was hoping you guys could give uh, give me some stats to explain why Gary Sanchez is the best catch in the league. Because I know it. If you have a brain, you know it. But my 
idiot of a friend refuses to accept that fact. So I appreciate it if you guys could give us that. Thank you. All right, Tyler, this leads us right into Sharp Stats with Katie Sharp because we open up talking a little bit about Gary and compare him to the rest of the league. Jake, this is like the newest thing I get in my DMs on Instagram and Twitter is, hey, my buddy won't believe me. It keeps saying that this guy is better than Gary. Can you just give me some stats? The last one I got was Contreras on the Cubs, and it yeah. was like the I was like, this is so easy. Who are you talking to? Just they yeah. they, they don't look at simple stats. So we're gonna throw it to Sharp Stats. But here's what I decided, Jake: all the voicemails we didn't get to, we are going to answer after the episode for just the Patreon members because there's like wow. three there's like three more. So we okay. got we got like which which ex-Yankee from any time zone would we want to see play right now we got from one any about, time zone huh Pacific yeah any time zone or time error whatever it's called we got uh CC's beard a boon manager another Urshela so if you if you are a Patreon member go to the YouTube on Patreon and you and tune back in for the last like end look of it because there will be that, extra stuff look at that light hitting my left bicep right now I look like Paul O'Neill and and go tune into Patreon for that video. But let's wow. throw it, let's throw it to Sharp Stats. All right, we're back with another segment of Sharp Stats. Going to sharpen our minds, figure out the numbers behind what we watch every single night, and why Gary is so valuable right now why Tanaka's splitter has us a little worried, and why the Yankees are winning games despite an injury-riddled lineup. We are joined, as always, by Katie Sharp. Hi, Katie. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me again. Good. Yankees keep winning, so that's good. Spirits are high. Yes. When Yankees keep winning, people keep listening, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> is yeah. that the way it works? That is, unfortunately. We guys got to try to win them over. There. Yeah. 13, 13 and 5 in the last 18. Just going through some numbers today. So pretty pretty good stretch that we're just like bobbing our head to. I'll take that, you know. I mean, that's yeah. not that's that's not bad. That's that's probably like, you know, what, a hundred and twenty five win season or something. Yeah. I haven't with, done the math, but sounds good to me. Yeah. And still and all without Hicks, Judge, or Stan. That's yes. crazy. Like you keep having to remind yourself they're doing this despite having main and, main pieces out. And those three guys were, I think, projected to have the high, the three highest uh, wins above replacement numbers on the team uh, before the season started. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I, I was I was doing our little newsletter, and I was you know wanted to do some exciting things about the guys come back, and I was like, yeah, in the next four to five weeks, we could have four like borderline like all-star-ish type players coming back. <laughs> and then you read that sentence and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> there's teams that don't have two all-star type guys on their team. Um, so yeah, we're uh, times are kind of good. Yeah. One guy that might be a lock for an all-star is Gary Sanchez, especially when you compare him to his competition and other catchers, which I think, Katie, is our first subject. And what you're going to like really explain to us is, why Gary's valuable at the position he's playing, because most people don't realize what a barren wasteland the catcher position is across MLB. So what do you got for us on Gary? Yeah, so this is, I mean, obviously we all hear the, we all hear the remarks about Gary and, you know, 
his he, he's fat and lazy, right? Okay, <laughs> who cares? Um, there are or his defense sucks, and that means that you know he's unplayable, or his pitch his pitch sequencing is awful. Um, so I think what I really wanted to highlight is just how much better he is. I, first, I want to focus on his offense and just how much better he is than the average catcher and how much more valuable that makes him as a part of this team. Because basically, a catcher is a black hole in your lineup if you're a normal team. So I, you know what I like to do is I don't like to look at these small samples. So yes, we know he's been incredible this season. He's, he's been otherworldly. He's you know, we've seen that we've seen him hit those rockets. His barrel percentage is just out of this world. His slugging percentage, however you want to put it. Um, but I'm going to look at it from sort of the long term, and I'm going to look at it, uh, look at all these numbers since 2016. So just keep that in mind here when I'm when I'm talking. Um, and uh, basically, so first we're going to start off with the average catcher's uh, batting line since 2016. So just bear with me for a minute here. 240 batting average, 310 on base percentage, 393 slugging percentage, and a, a weighted runs created plus of 87. So basically that last number, what it is, is it basically says the catchers are about 13% worse than the league average for all hitters. So, I mean, that's pretty bad. That's basically the worst position um, of of the nine or, you know, the eight or nine positions. Um not what you want in your lineup. Um, Gary, since 2016, so in that same time frame, this is basically his entire career. You know, he had a couple plate appearances in, in 2015 whatnot. Um, he's hit, hitting 253, a 337 batting average, and a 524 slugging. So all those numbers are better than the average. The slugging is obviously, you know, more than 100 points better than average. And his weighted runs created plus is 129. So he is 29% better than the average hitter. And we're, not, we're just not comparing him to catchers with that last number. That's the average hitter um, <laughs> in a lineup. And, um, and just to kind of put all of that in perspective uh, with uh, really, you know, comparing it to his peers, to catchers, um, his ranks since 2016, and I just looked at guys with 400 plate appearances over the last, you know, three plus uh, seasons. And it gives you roughly a sample of about 50, 52 players. Okay. And these are, you know, your regulars. Um, in just case you're wondering, yes, Yasmani Grandal is in this. Yes, JT Realamuto is in this sample. Uh, most of the guys that, you know, Buster Posey, obviously, in this sample. Most of the guys you would want to compare him to. Um, and the Cubs catcher, Wilson Contreras. So in that span, his ranks uh, among catchers are first in OPS, first in slugging, first in WOBA, which uh, which I've explained before, but I'll yep. just say quickly again, weighted on base percentage. It basically is a kind of a catch-all offensive stat. Um, and uh, so he's first in that, and then he's first in weighted runs created plus, which is that other stat that I mentioned, which is basically a park-adjusted version of WOBA. So uh, essentially, he's the best-hitting catcher over the last uh, three, three, plus, uh, three plus seasons, if you look at the, uh, the relevant stats and, and compare them. Um, 
and and we're we're comparing him to all those guys that they wanted to trade <laughs> that you know that people wanted to trade him for. Um, yeah. So that's. So, I mean, when that's people just say the, he has to be a DH, and he loses so much value if you take him from behind the plate because if he's a DH, now you have Romine's bat in there and Gary's bat. And the value that he gives you as a catcher is you have Gary's bat plus Stanton slash Andujar slash Voigt's bat. Like, that's the payoff there. So Jake and I called it the pass ball tax on yesterday's episode. Like, sure, we have to pay a pass ball tax because Gary's not great at blocking balls. But because we get to put him in the lineup as a catcher, the value we get out of that and then freeing the DH spot is like, Unsurmountable. It's it's incredible compared to every other team what they put at their catcher spot. And I, yeah, I think I mean anybody who plays fantasy baseball also kind of can understand this, right? Mm-hmm. If you can have a catcher in your fantasy team that absolutely rakes, then that makes up for maybe some other spots that may not rake that you may not have gotten you know as good of a pick or uh-huh. a, you know good of a spot in the lineup. Um, so I think that, you know, your point is exactly right. It's just, it just gives the team, it just gives the Yankees so much flexibility of how they can kind of work in other players in their lineup. And not even to mention the fact that, you know, he's, he hasn't even hit arbitration yet. So they're paying, I mean, we hate to, you know, it's, it's hate to say this, but they're not paying very much for him either to be this yeah. productive and as a catcher. So you're kind of getting the double bonus there. Um, but yeah, I just, I think people just need to put that into perspective. I don't know what other thoughts you have on, on that idea. Well, and then to back it up, like his defense is bad at blocking, but the rest of his game's good. Do you have any comparable numbers there? Yeah, that's, that's the other point that I kind of wanted to make, um, is that what, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, he's, he's. Just he's he's awful at defense, and that makes him unplayable because it just it can't wipe away any sort of advantage that he has with his bat, or or just it lessens the advantage he has with his bat. Um, and so what I did is I, I again I went back to 2016 and kind of looked at what you can do is you kind of you can in various you know all these different sabermetric sites you can kind of separate the runs that he creates with his bat, the runs that he saves or loses. Uh, ver- with uh, various parts of his defense. Uh, there are three main parts there, uh, framing, throwing, and blocking. So those are the three main parts of defense that I looked up. And, uh, and then I also looked up at the runs that he creates uh, with his bat. So over this span, he created about 40 runs, 39 runs with his bat, which is phenomenal. That's exceptional over four seasons. Um, and with his defense, when you combine all of his defense, those three metrics that I made, he actually is a plus five in runs created with his defense compared to the average catcher. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, he's plus. Yes, when you break it down, he is negative on the blocking, but he is way high, way plus on the framing, and even you know, and just the same plus uh, with the throwing. And so that evens out to a about a plus five. Uh, in terms of the runs that he has actually saved with his defense over that span. So, and the the numbers on the defense also I want to kind of highlight are so small compared to what the numbers are with the bat. So I said 40 runs with uh, with the bat. And 
at his best, his best stat is his framing, and he creates about he created about ten runs or saved about ten runs with his framing. his framing over those four years. So the number is very small, um, you know, in comparison to what he can what a player can do with their bat uh, in terms of impacting the game. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the defense doesn't bother the game as much as the offense does, and his defense isn't even terrible. It's it's basically because, yes, average, above average. And his framing... Basically what you want to do is because there are more things to, to defense than simply blocking pitches. And the blocking is just a, such a small part. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and the framing, like he helped um, Herman out a couple times yeah, with his framing. definitely. And it, sometimes people look at it and like, oh, he overframes things. And it's like, well... He may overframe things, but half the times the ump doesn't realize he's overframing and he gets the calls because he's top tier in the last four years in framing. So, all right, let's. Uh, that's a good exactly. one. I think. I think anyone that listens to Talking Yanks probably knows a lot of this stuff, but it's good to have you back it up with the actual stats and research because we've been saying it forever. But let's move on to a, a kind of a less fun one, which is Tanaka and the absence of his splitter in 2019, which. Last year, I believe I read an article like what was the most deadly off-speed pitch in the entire MLB, and it was Tanaka's splitter was number one or number two, and now it is not. It's really not part of his arsenal right now. So, what's going on with his splitter? What does Tanaka look like? Sand splitter? Can he still give us the results, or should we be very worried? And fingers crossed, the splitter comes back. <laughs> Those are, those are really good questions. Um, so, yes, obviously, last year his splitter was phenomenal. Um, it had a, uh, a, two, a 210 batting average against, which is, which is good, a 318 slugging, very good, and a 252 WOBA. So that's kind of the big number, which is the, what I said before, the, uh, the sort of the catch-all offensive stat. Um, and the, the whiff rate on his splitter last year, 36%. Uh, that's 36% of pitches, not just swings, which is which is phenomenal. This year, it has been a completely different story. A 386 batting average, a 705 slugging. So that's more than doubled the slugging percentage against that pitch, and a 459 WOBA. That's basically turning, I mean, he's basically, everybody who hits his splitter is like Gary Sanchez this year. Essentially, those are Gary Sanchez numbers, um, and the the Statcast uh, metrics, the exit velocity, the launch angle, all those expected stats bear it out as well. Um, his exit velocity has jumped from eighty seven. The average exit velocity on the splitter has jumped from eighty seven and a half to ninety one and a half miles per hour, um, and uh, the hard hit rate has jumped as well. And you see, you see the results are just are terrible. Um, the whiff rate, which is kind of one of the more the more concerning things, I said before it was thirty six percent last year. It's at sixteen percent this year, um, which is just that's that's horrible. I mean, that's below well, average. That's it, way way below average for an off speed pitch. What is supposed to be yeah. your signature pitch? Your strikeout um, pitch. <laughs> it's supposed yes, to be your, your get them to go fish and swing and miss. Like, the goal is to get a whiff. It's not used to get a strike in the zone or to change the eye level. Like, the primary goal is to get them to swing and miss over the splitter. So, yeah, that's very concerning. Yeah. On, on the technical side, I know that you don't have the answers, but I just wonder, like, 
what even could be different about the splitter like does he the release point the force that's, like, that's exactly what i was wondering yeah. because i mean if the, if this is someone's curveball or slider you could say like well they their spin rates down you know they they've lost you know 200 revolutions on their slider from last year so it doesn't have the same bite can you even do that with the splitter because i'm picturing yeah. contreras's and his was almost like a knuckle split back in the day yeah. but i guess you can with tank there, there. I mean, they definitely have the stats out there, and I did look at that stuff, and so I'll just kind of give you what I found. Um, the velocity is the same, which is which is interesting. I think. I mean, and that's velocity is not as important for a splitter um, as it is for other pitches. Uh, one thing that I did find is that his spin rate on the splitter has actually increased a bit back to league average. It was hmm. below league average before. And with a splitter, you want it to be less spin because you want more drop on it. Exact, you know, and especially when you compare it to the, the traditional forcing fastball that he throws, um, and which has which has not changed its spin at all. So the difference between those two pitches, the four seamer and the split finger, the spin on those two pitches is getting smaller. And I think that is maybe one reason. Um why it's been a little bit less effective. Um, you kind of see that in the vertical break that he's getting. The drop is not as good as last year. He's not getting as much drop on the pitch um, when he crosses the plate. Uh, so that's something else. Um, I did look at the release points. They don't seem to be too different. Uh, very minimal changes. So I don't know. You know, that doesn't seem to be a thing. But the biggest thing is, like I said, um, a little bit in that drop. But like you, like you kind of mentioned there, uh, John Boy, they just aren't chasing his splitter out of the zone. Uh, yeah. It's just it's it's not the it's not a chase pitch. Um, it's it was at forty percent usually forty five percent when he was at his best. This year it's at about thirty five percent of the time they're chasing it out of the zone. And uh, it's actually cool because on Statcast you can kind of break out different parts of the chase zone. And base, the biggest difference is those those splitters in the dirt. For some reason, he's not getting those chases. And, you know, maybe maybe batters are just kind of getting smart about it. They're knowing they can kind of see the pitch a little bit better as it's coming in, and they know that those ones in the dirt that they don't want to chase at all. Um, and so that's, that's basically – that's what I see as sort of maybe the biggest concern is his ability to get batters to chase that splitter out of the zone – and um, he's actually throwing a lot more in the heart of the zone as well, and that's likely what's leading to those horrible results when they see one in the heart of the zone. They just they know they can tee off on it, and uh, you know, and, and put it over the fence or, or put it in the gaps on a line. Um, so I think that you know, obviously this this is this has to be a concern um, simply because it has been his go to his signature his signature yeah. pitch. That, I mean, that is his pitch. That is, yeah, it's what he's all about. Is a splitter. So right. the slider got him. The slider got him through a couple games. Even mixed in the curveball a little bit the first couple games. But yeah, I guess so. If you're watching Tanaka pitch and he's pitching this Tuesday, old Tanaka Tuesday, we all got to be looking out. Does he have that splitter? Is he throwing it? Is he getting swings and misses? Because even if he's getting some swings and misses on the splitter, but has a rough outing, that's still a good sign moving forward. That Hopefully he just gets his splitter back. Yeah, I mean, the thing I wanted to go back to when you said about his slider, 
Yes, he's been incorporating it more this year. It's actually the highest overall usage that he's ever, that he's had in his career for his slider, and it's been phenomenal. It's been the best that he's ever had in terms of mm-hmm. the results that he's getting and his whiff percentage, the, the batting average against, the slugging percentage against. But the thing that concerns me is that he hasn't had a he hasn't been consistently increasing it um, when he knows that his splitter has he. Because he's been consistently uh, sort of decreasing the use of his splitter over game to game this season. But when I looked at his usage of his his slider from game to game, it's kind of been bouncing around up and down, uh, high and then low, and uh, it just really hasn't been consistent. So I think that maybe if he can kind of consistently use that more than his splitter, I think he might be okay because the results have been pretty have been really good on the slider yeah well you wonder Um, if he gets to a point where he goes out and says we're not even going to see if the splitter's here today Mm -hmm. let's just go be a i'm a slider pitcher today uh hopefully he doesn't get to that point because i'd like him just get the splitter back yeah i mean the splitter is phenomenal just because of the way that it can pair with the other pitches that he has um, in terms of, you know, his cutter, his sinker, his, his, uh, his four-seamer, which is four-seamer, which he has been using a lot more this year, which is a little bit surprising. Um, uh, and it, it, it should pair, the splitter should pair very well with, this, with the four-seamer um, in terms of movement and, and everything. I've, I've got a quick, it, I've got a quick positive spin. Yeah, once, once that go. splitter Once that splitter comes back with his slider being better than ever, we're going to get this second half beast Tanaka that comes out that we've been seeing anyways, but now it's going to be even more special. So boom, problem solved. Love it, Jake. Love it. <laughs> two pl- two, he, the, the splitter just went on vacation because he wanted the slider to get some work in. It was like Excellent. when yeah, in, in uh, Hoosiers, when the coach gets thrown out so the, so the assistant coach shooter can build some confidence. That's what happened here. Or maybe it's, you know, maybe the slider was put on the, I mean, excuse me, the splitter was put on the IL, and now you're getting the uh, the replacement players, the slider, mm-hmm. to get some experience and to Her kind of build up slider. their confidence. Yeah. Exactly. I and like now when, uh, when, the, when the splitter comes off the IL, uh, it's going to be like, you know, we're getting Aaron Judge back, right? Yeah. How about that? I, I like that. Yeah. We're all about positive spin here. <laughs> <laughs> well... Last thing we're going to talk about, it is a positive thing, is this Yankees team right now is doing a lot of the quote-unquote little things, bunting runners over, uh, using small ball, uh, uh, deep sack flies, and all that. And I, you said that you had some analytics to uh, kind of back this up and, and even back up like last year. Or I don't know where we're going with this because I'm excited to find out what numbers you have <laughs> to support all this. Yeah, well, surprisingly, you know, they like people kind of mock me because there's a stat for everything, but there really is a stat for everything. And I think that, you know, we can kind of show this is a good way to show that the yes, you know, when you see what you see with your eyes, maybe you do see the Yankees playing a little bit more small ball, um, you know, being a little bit, uh, you know, better in those uh, those little things situations. And we can kind of back that up with the stats. Um, so I'm going to throw out some numbers here um, just to kind of uh, maybe put some some stuff before you're, you know, kind of put some numbers to what you're seeing on the field. So one of the things that uh, that we like to harp on is the ability to kind of get that runner in from third. So this year, the Yankees, uh, they've, they've been phenomenal in that situation. 
Um, and one of the stats that, that baseball reference tracks is the percent of times scoring a runner from third with less than two outs. So this is the time when you, you should be, this is, this is money. This is when you should cash in, right? The Yankees this year are second in the league in that at 60%. The league average is about, uh, let's see what the league average is, about 49, 50%. So well above the league average. Um, last year, they were still pretty good at this. Uh, they were still top 10, but they were at about a rate of about 51%. So just, just about above league average. They were actually sixth in the league. Um, so there's going to be some regression probably for the Yankees from this phenomenal 60% mark. Um, but I think it, I mean, I think you can kind of see it when you're, when you're watching games that they, they are just getting that guy in a little bit more. Uh, and then the other kind of, the other phenomenal jump here in terms of uh, advancing uh, base runners is uh, baseball reference also tracks a stat with advancing a runner on second with zero outs. And right now the Yankees rank Fit they rank uh let's see they're fourth in that um and last year they were fifteenth so they've jumped about ten percentage points from about fifty one percent to sixty one percent in that in that regards as well uh so those are all those are just phenomenal jumps i think in terms yeah. of the ability to kind of uh move runners over um and uh and advance on on the base paths um uh, and you know another thing that that baseball reference tracks is what's called uh, productive outs. And these are basically things with advancing a runner um, on a ground ball, sacrifice hits, uh, advancing on fly balls, you know, the, all those types of things. Um, let me see if I can uh, get here. Uh, driving in a runner um, with, a, with, a, with an out types of things. Um, and uh, Yankees this year, they are at a 30% success rate in terms of productive outs, which is uh, fifth in the, in, the, uh, in the league. Last year, they were at 26%, which was 19th in the league. Wow. So in, in the majors. So they've made a, a really good jump there. And those are the little things that say, okay, that yes, they made an out, but you see the guy go from second to third and gets in position because it was, you know, it was maybe only one out in the game. So now he's in position to be scored which we know the Yankees have been phenomenal at doing that this year. So it's kind of yeah. all working there in, in concert, which I think is, is really good to see. You know, you like to see those little, you know, moving the runners across. And, uh, you know, you say not being as dependent on the long ball. Um, yeah. Whereas, I mean, they still are. They are currently at about their sixth in the league in the percent of runs. Um, yeah. Well, I want to say but that – the running and scoring position complaint. Every if you go to any fan of any baseball team and say, "What does your team struggle with?" I guarantee you, they say runners in scoring position. It's if you go fan base to fan base, every fan base thinks their team is terrible with runners in scoring position because that's what hurts the most when you're watching a game when you leave men on base that it just resonates with you more. If I were to ask any Yankee fan on Twitter or anywhere, Instagram, wherever I communicate with fans, were the Yankees bad with runners in scoring position last year? They'd say it was one of our biggest downfalls. They were seventh. No, no, hold on. They were sixth in OPS, team OPS with runners in scoring position, or eighth. 
eighth OPS out of 30 teams. They were eighth in OPS with runners in scoring position. And with runners in scoring position, two outs, they were... I had it. They were like top 10 as well, I believe, or something up there. And they led the league in sacrifice flies. Like the Yankees were fine last year. People just harp on this all the time, but they are doing even more this year, which is good. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they've been, they've actually, you know, been just about, I mean, their batting average is better, slightly better, um, but not even relative to the league. So I think that a lot of it is just like what you said. It's it's perception. It's you only remember the bad times. You only remember when, you know, Luke Voigt pops out or or Gary Sanchez hits a ground ball double play uh, with a guy on, you know, a guy in first and second. Yeah. And and it's it always gets skewed because you you put 10 guys on base people think you're supposed to score 8 of them and have like an 800 <laughs> conversion rate with runners in scoring position and I realize like that would be incredible <laughs> exactly yeah i mean you you can't i mean scoring you know 20 30% of the time um with a runner in scoring position is is phenomenal you know that's yeah. really good yeah. would uh, would we would we say and i don't i don't know how we would measure this with stats but that's <laughs> That's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Um, Tyler Wade, when he's been coming up with runners on first and second, no outs, we've been stoked because we allow him to give us a quote unquote productive out by sack bunning. I mean, when we swap out Tyler Wade for someone else, can we almost expect a little bit of regression there because we we won't be intending to get a productive out? We're hoping that we get a double in the gap that scores two. Um, I, does it necessarily work like that? Or I, I don't know. I guess that's more so a feel question. Yeah. I don't think it would exactly work that way because, uh, he's, you know, if Tyler Wade does lay, lay down the bunt, that's gonna, the best you can get is maybe advancing one, one base. Right. But if you have some guy like Gary Sanchez up there and you know that maybe, less um you know he's going to be less successful but when he is successful he's going to hit a he's going to hit a double and score two guys or he and you know or he's going to hit a home run and score three guys whereas Tyler Wade can't have that much of an impact so it is sort of like the the average versus the impact um and you know one way you look at that is batting average versus slugging percentage with runners in scoring position right and the Yankees have been phenomenal, you know, last year with slugging with, with runners in scoring position. The average was lower. Um, so it's, it's the trade-off that you get there, I think. Um, but you are right in that Tyler Wade has really had an impact in, in, for the Yankees in terms of uh, sacrifice hits and sacrifice bunts. They, are, they improved from 27th in the league last year in terms of uh, successful sacrifice uh, hits or bunts to 8th. Uh, this year oh what a, what a backhanded compliment so, that is to yeah tyler okay so <laughs> yeah. it's a, yeah we don't i yeah I, I i hate tyler wade but i mean <laughs> you know you know the stat that i put out you you saw the i don't know if you guys saw the gift that i put out there um of him reacting to gary sanchez's uh grand slam yeah uh yeah. 460 yeah with him being like you know, and I put the caption, oh, it's okay to hit the ball in the air because we know Tyler Wade does not really know how to hit the ball in the air. 
which yeah. which is frustrating. But um, but he does have some value. I mean, yes, I have been proven wrong. He does have some value there. Well, so I mean, he's got the stats. same value. He has the same value as as a uh, pitcher. Yes, exactly. Well, he actually does add it's one like, more thing. Hey, the chances <laughs> of you getting a hit here are about point zero five, but the chances of you having a productive out are about 0.9. So let's just go with the out. Like he is, yes. uh, he is a, a, a pitcher at the plate. So like we're celebrating the small ball and his good outs, but they only exist because he can't have good non outs. Right. Well, I mean, uh, the, uh, the other point thing that I want to point out where he has, he has helped and where the Yankees have been extremely good this year is in terms of uh, stealing bases. They are the most efficient team in the le- in the uh, in the majors right now. It's stealing um, with an eighty six percent success rate, um, and you you know and Tyler Wade he has got speed and he he is good at stealing bases. Um, so I think that that's uh, that's another thing where you're do where the Yankees are really doing the small the small things there. Um, they are being you know they're being pretty selective when they steal, um, but when they do they've been they've been doing it at a very very good rate. Last year, they were still pretty good. Uh, they were 10th in the league. So, But improving from 10th to 1st in the league, uh, going from 75% success rate to an 86% success rate is, uh, is really good. And I think that that's you know, obviously been a huge, been a huge help um, when some of the hits, the big hits, haven't been there. Yeah, I mean, I think once this all gets sorted out, with uh, Tyro going back down, and then maybe Hicks comes up and Talkman goes down. I think Wade is a perfect late inning replacement, pinch runner, and then defensive replacement. Like exactly, that is That's his role. That's a I'd great rather role him, him. I'd rather completely stall whatever <laughs> offensive developments he could even make at this point, and be like, "Well, fuck that. You're never going to do that." But you can be a great pinch runner, defensive replacement. Like, great. Like, he'd be in that limited role. He would be fantastic. So that's his perfect. I mean, we've 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 already we've I think we maybe even mentioned it last week. I mean, that's his perfect role. Designated yeah. bunter, designated runner um, and uh, designated fielder. That, he's got that was he's my great. That was that was my goal for him heading into the season to be the best closer on the Yankees. When you see Tyler Wade come in. You know the Yankees are about to secure a lead. So Boom. There we go. All right. I think that ends this this uh week's episode of Sharp Stats. We thank you, Katie, for giving us all your insight and uh research and information. Gary's the best ever. Be worried about Tanaka. Yankees are doing the small things better this year, and we hope to see that continue. That's sum exactly. it up. Exactly. Oh, you yeah. perfect. You get an A plus. Yeah. A plus today. Boom. There we go. All right. If you have any specific questions for Katie next week, uh, you can leave them for as a voicemail, 908-845-5792, or you can tweet, tweet at us or DM or email, uh, however you want to get it across. We will uh, review it and answer it. So thank you, Katie. Thank you guys for listening. All right. Thanks, thanks guys. All right. As always, that was Katie Sharp breaking down why Gary's good, why Tanaka's struggling, and what the Yankees are doing better with the little things, which I just said probably five seconds ago when uh, it was on that segment. Thank Katie for talking with us. Thank you guys for listening. 
We will see you after next series, which I think Thursday night, if you Thursday night, late night, Jake, it's it, getaway day starts at 635. So Thursday night, late night, if you watch live with us on Patreon or uh, Friday morning, if you listen on the app, thank you guys very much for tuning in and hanging out with us and uh, tickets for our live event, July 17th at Yankee stadium are almost sold out. So if you want to sneak in and grab some, buy we may get more but we haven't fully decided on it yet or looking the logistics <laughs> if, if you're thinking about going getting get tickets soon because we might want to get more tickets <laughs> <laughs> well they're almost sold out quick so yeah well we'll see all right see you guys go yanks tell them grams go yankees This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a questionnaire, they match you with a licensed therapist, and you can switch anytime, no additional charge. So, celebrate the progress that you've already made by visiting BetterHelp.com slash Yanks today, and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Yanks.